questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. From the words of tonight's special guest, we live in a world of illusion. Nothing is what it appears to be. All we see are the surface layers, which form an intricate interlocking system of falsehood and deception. Nothing really works the way we think it does. Most of the things we have been taught to believe are true, turn out to be lies. No one is immune from this. If you're listening to these words, then you too have been the victim of this deception. Many people will not want to believe that, and they surely won't. I tell you that it is true anyway. The fact that you are unaware of it does not mean that it has not occurred. Rather, it serves as a demonstration of the subtlety and efficiency of a methodical, meticulously planned combination of disinformation and propaganda, which has been specifically designed to prevent us from being able to see the underlying truths about our world. These truths hold great power. They confer an enormous advantage to those who are aware of them. For this reason, they are revealed only to a carefully selected few. Those who are made aware of them operate covertly, standing unseen in the shadows and working behind the scenes. From there, they pull the strings of power, which allow them to control the world. You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focused Life Force Energy, MMS, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Divinia Water, Pure Organic Sulfur, Flash Drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas Seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. And now, here's your host, Mel Fabregas. Derek Tyler has spent most of his life studying and trying to understand the phenomenon of alien contact. He's had several sightings during his life, the most spectacular of which occurred in 1984, which lasted for over 40 minutes and involved a pair of United States Air Force fighter aircraft as well. He's an abductee as well as a MyLab, in addition, he has interviewed or spoken with thousands of abductees over the past 20 years, as well as the opportunity to speak to a wide variety of inside sources. Derek has established a reputation as one of the most well-informed, accurate, and insightful sources to be found within the UFO community. Derek is the author of two books, Alien Contact, The Difficult Truth, and Alien Contact, Paradigm Shift. Both are linked on our website. And directly from Seattle, Washington, I'd like to introduce Derek Tyler. Hello, Derek, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Hello, thank you. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on your show. Thanks for being with me today. And we've been trying to get in touch with you for quite a while because I saw a presentation, I believe it was the Contact in the Desert one, and I was really impressed with you. In fact, I told you, you reminded me a bit of Phil Schneider. Do you ever get that? Uh, sometimes, yeah. I hope not because he got killed. <laughs> oh, that's but, true. But yeah, I, th I think what you saw probably was from Contact in the Desert. 
That's correct. Okay, well, let's begin with the Phil Schneider part. I mean, a lot of people probably tell you that you sound like Phil Schneider. Probably, I don't know, you don't take it as a compliment because he's still, he's, he's not around with us, right? Well, yeah, he he told the truth a little bit too too boldly, I, I assume. And uh, they took him out. And that's that's very typical of what happens to people sometimes. They're very serious about keeping their secrets. Let's begin with your story, Derek. Just take us back where you grew up, the experiences you had as a child, and I want to go in chronological chronological order. Well, I grew up in central Washington. I I didn't I didn't have any extraordinary experiences as a child. I, I might have had one sighting, but uh, I was always interested in the topic. Of course, I'm 60 years old right now, so when I grew up, it was when I was a kid. It was when Apollo and and uh, Gemini were being run and launched, so there was a big, a big uh, popularity for astronauts and space program back then, of course. And so I was always interested in that type of thing. We used to show up at school at six in the morning so we could watch the Apollo missions lift off. And uh, it wasn't until later that I learned that NASA is is uh, basically a PR agency. And that they they basically never speak the truth to us. So, uh, but at the time, I was just a kid. I had no idea of those things. In 1984, I had a rather spectacular sighting. Um, I was standing out in my parents' yard just as the sun was going down on a summer night. And uh, I saw a a large craft come up over a hilltop a little ways away and and hover right beside a, a hospital. And it was it was brightly lit up. I, I describe all this fully in my first book. Um, I thought it would I thought it would go away. You know, most sightings only last for a few seconds or a minute or two at the most. But it didn't go away. It just kept sitting there. And about twenty minutes later, I was, I was timing it. I had a watch on. I was timing it. And twenty minutes later, a pair of F-16s came in from. Uh, well, they had to come in from Fairchild Air Force Base near Spokane. It takes them almost exactly 20 minutes to get to where I was on a full afterburner. So, so they were basically informed of this this craft and launched immediately. As soon as I saw this this craft, and there's no question that that's what it was. It was hovering just a few feet above the ground. I, if a person would have been near it, I could have walked up to it and slapped it. It was so low. And uh, all the hair on my body stood straight on end. It's only twice in my life that that's ever happened, and that was the first time. Second time was when I stepped on board an aircraft carrier that was carrying nuclear weapons. I didn't think you'd be able to tell the difference, but you can. As soon as I stepped on board that craft, all my hair stood on end. I mean, on board that ship. It was the, the USS Hornet. Um, I tried. My parents were inside the house. I ran inside. before the. This was before the planes got there. I ran inside, hollered at them to look out the window, they wouldn't do it. My dad said, saw one in the Navy, don't care. My mom said, if your dad doesn't care, I don't care. And they were sitting right beside the window. All they had to do was open the curtain. They could have seen this thing. I knew I knew at the time that it was going to be the most spectacular sighting in my life because I, I didn't see how anything could, could top it, you know. Um, it, was a, it was like a double convex-shaped craft. It had a row of, of lights around the center line. Four colors, red, blue, yellow, and green. And they they were changing colors in a, in a way that looked like it, it made it look like they were 
they were um, circling around the outside of the craft, but they weren't really. It was just a, a, the lights changing colors in sequence. And all over the rest of the craft, it had what looked like flash bulbs popping off at random spots and times. And I had no idea what I was doing there. It was the last place I ever expected to see a UFO. It was a, a specialized hospital for people that were severely retarded and needed full-time uh, constant care. So um, on my, I, I, when I was inside trying to grab my folks, I, they had a real nice camera with a telephoto lens. I grabbed the camera. I said, where's your film? My mom says, oh, we don't have any film. We weren't going to take any pictures until Christmas. Oh. So I was going, oh, you know, can my luck get worse? This, this new so, generation does not understand how catastrophic <laughs> the feeling is that when that happens, huh? Oh, man. I mean, if, if they would have had some film on that camera, I would have gotten some of the best photographs of UFO that anyone ever got because the night was clear. I had a, a perfect view of this thing. Um, so I decided on the way out, I'd, I'd call 911 and get the cops up there. At least let them know what's going on. I called them, I called them up uh, since it was after 9 o'clock. The sheriff's department answered the phone. It was a small town I was in. I said, there's a you got to get up to the, the Yakima Valley School. What's the name of this facility? I said, there's a UFO up there, and they hung up on me. So I looked up the newspaper real quick. I called them. I said, I said you need to get a photographer up to Yakima Valley School. There's a UFO, and they hung up on me. So I said, well, my luck can't get any worse than this, so I guess I'll just have to watch it by myself. So I went back outside, and, and about almost exactly 20 minutes after it appeared, a pair of F-16s came blasting in from the direction of Fairchild Air Force Base, which is near Spokane, directly east of, of where I was. Um, and it takes them almost exactly 20 minutes to get there at full afterburners. I know that because a friend of mine's brother used to pilot an F-16 out of Fairchild, and that's what he told us about 10 years before this happened. Um, the F-16s came in, and they started – they tipped their noses up the way that they do when they want to fly slowly, you know so that they don't fall out of the sky at low speeds. And they started, one at a time, buzzing this craft. They were getting down within just probably three feet of it, it looked like, just very close to it, one at a time. One of them was turning around, starting to come back, while the other one was completing its buzz. And they, the craft completely ignored them, like they, were, like they were mosquitoes that didn't matter. And they didn't shoot at it, but they were clearly armed and clearly quite unhappy with its presence there. And this went on for 22 more minutes. And the underneath the craft was was obscured from my view because it was sitting up on the top of a hill, but there were some trees planted down lower on the hill, and the tops of the trees were blocking my view from what was happening under the craft. So I couldn't see who or what came out of it or who or what was taken into it. I assume that they didn't stop there by accident for 42 minutes, which was the total time of the sighting. There was something in that hospital that they wanted, and I assume that they got it. I'd, I'd like to have had a head count before and after they came of the people that, that were residents there. Um, but after 42 minutes, it it lifted up in the air a little bit, just enough to barely clear this hill that had come over that was behind it, and went over the hill and down behind it, out of sight, the fighters still buzzing it the whole way. But um, after that, nobody could tell me they weren't here. Nobody could tell me that our military didn't know it. And nobody could tell me that the military didn't consider at least some of them to be hostile and, and unwelcome. Uh, 
So that's uh, that's not much knowledge, but it's a good start. It's some people can spend their whole lifetimes um, studying this and never get those answers for sure. And I got them just as a bonus all in one night. So after that, after you see something like that, you want to learn everything that that you can about them, of course. Do you think this was the eureka moment or the trigger event that propelled yeah, you uh, to be a researcher? Sure. Because because it was so spectacular that it was it was it was undeniable what I was looking at. There's no question. We didn't have even our secret programs didn't have any technology that could do what this craft was doing, just hovering silently. It was it was, it was about the circumference of this craft was probably twice as long as the F-16s. So it was it was big, you know. And and there was no question that I was looking at an alien craft. And after that, I wanted to know everything that I could find out about them. Did you have any encounters after this event? Well, I did. I, I, I ended up being an abductee. It's very possible that I could have been one before, but I didn't know it. Most people who are abducted never realize that it's even happened to them because they delete the memories out of your mind, you know? And they're quite good at that, actually. But it doesn't always work. And I started getting abduction memories probably when I was in my mid-30s. I was, I was, I guess, 28 when I had that first sighting. But in my mid-30s, I started getting memories of, of being abducted. And so I knew exactly that, what was going on because I'd already, by that time, I'd already interviewed over 2,000 abductees. So before that, the, the event at the age of 28, you were not interested in this topic? This just happened for two years? Oh, no, I was, I was very interested in it, but I didn't have, I wasn't, I wasn't driven. Right. Uh, I, I mean... After that, there was nothing else I wanted to do except worse, worse than, than learn about aliens, you know. Because before that, I was going, well, you know, maybe they're here, maybe they're not. Probably are. But after that, I knew they were here, and I wanted to know who they were and why they were here and why they were considered to be dangerous, some of them. So that's what launched that, uh, uh, you know, and my curiosity is still lit to this very day from that. I'm, gonna, I'm going to ask you an unorthodox question right at the beginning. Many people ask me the same question. How do we know when somebody gets abducted and you see this technology that wipes your memory? Some people have full recollection, but most people do not. How do we know that it's not actually my lab, our military it's conducting often, these? Often it, is, often it is the military. That's correct. And there is, it is very difficult to know because... As I learned later, I, I ended up getting some, some pretty serious inside connections later. It's described in the first book also. And one person that I talked to was, uh, uh, at the time, he was a colonel in the Air Force. And he retired later as a brigadier general. And he'd spent his whole career in black ops. And he was kind enough to sit me down and clue me in a few times about these th type of things. And he said that the military has ways to... Um, simulate being aliens that they they use alien technology and and um, very very intricate disguises apparently that that they want people to believe that they're being abducted by aliens when it's really the military Precisely. that way that way nobody will believe them if they tell and uh, the military will never get caught precisely my point if they're able with technology to extract thoughts or memories of the event, what tells us that they don't have the ability to implant or to add memories that are false? They do. 
they do have that ability and they use it all the time. They, it's called screen memories. Yeah. I'm sure you've heard of that. They, they will replace what really happened with a screen memory so that if you do happen to remember something, because, because the memory erasure technology is not foolproof. You know, sometimes it doesn't completely work. Sometimes I think that they they do it to so many people that they just get bored and, and slack. And sometimes and sometimes they it's just not completely done. I ended up having quite a few legitimate memories from my abductions, mostly I think because I had a tendency to wake up as soon as they brought me back. And when that happens, if you write them down, you can sometimes remember some of the things that have happened to you. If you wait until morning, probably not. Almost like a dream. Yes. If, if you wait until morning, at the most, you'll think you just had a weird dream. And you really won't remember it. And it'll, you know, within a few more hours, it'll be completely gone. Why do you so, think that you were the subject of an abduction? Do, do you have anybody in your family that was abducted before that you know of? Not that I know of, but normally uh, they do follow genetics down right. through the generations. So uh, no one in my family, if they were abducted, they didn't know it, you know. And I wouldn't have expected them to know it because... The, the topic of abductions has only really been um, public for, what, 30 years? Yeah. It, yeah since, since, since Bud Hopkins came along, really. That was, I think, in the 80s. So uh, I don't know that they have or not, but but they have um, they have certain things that they look for in people when they abduct them. And, and I'm told by someone that should know that if you're abducted by the military, you've already been abducted by aliens first. And then the military wants to know why they took you, so they come and take you also. That's what I hear all the time. And by the way, abductions became more popular or prevalent, the stories, if you will, in the 80s. But we had the stories of, you know, Beatty and Barty Hill from the 60s right. and, and much others. But exactly what you said, I remember a conversation with Melinda Leslie, who told me the same thing, that people get abducted. And then, of course, the government can come and say, oh, Mr. Tyler— would like you to come down to the base so we can interview you and you can tell us what happened because they would be admitting that they know that this is happening. But if they do it in a covert way and pretend to be an abduction, then they can get all the information. Same with what do you call it, uh, the cattle mutilation. I've right. been told that a lot of times it's actually the government doing that to take a look at the certain parts of the tissue of the cattle to see how much radiation they have, for example. Have you heard that, no, too? No, the reason they're doing it, as far as I understand it, is because the gray aliens require human blood. You know, I don't, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. The, the, the little grays, the classic ETs, you know, the ones that are most, most usually associated with abductions, they are um, they're artificially engineered organisms. They're not a naturally occurring race. Bio-robots? Yes, they're, they're sort of... They're sort of, um, yeah, bio-robots is a good way to put it, I guess. And they are used to do the dirty work for another race, basically. And they are not uh, very good pilots, which is they're responsible for most of the crashes that we find. And <laughs> they, because they are a, they're like a cyborg, okay? That's the word I was trying to think of. They're like a cyborg. But they do not have a digestive system like we do. They don't have a, a trachea. They don't have a esophagus, a stomach, anything like that. But they do require nutrients. So what the way that they the way that they feed themselves is they they soak the nutrients in through their pores in their skin, and that is also how it's excreted. A lot of people that go on board a gray spaceship and have memories of it 
will say that it stinks horribly yeah. inside there is because they they basically smear a, a, a compound that's made of, of human blood and some other some other um, or, organic secretions, let's say enzymes, whatever that we secrete from our organs that they need. They mix it all together and they smear it on their skin. Sometimes they've been reported that they even bathe in it, and then it's it's absorbed through their pores and excreted later through their pores, and that's why it smells so terrible in their ships because they're basically taking all this it's coming out through their skin. So the cattle mutilations, the basic reason for the cattle mutilations is because they can use cattle blood instead of human blood if they have to. And that was much easier at the time for them to get. And the government was assisting them in this. This government was, was uh, helping supply them with, as, you, as I'm sure you remember, the cattle were, were found with not a drop of blood remaining inside of them. Sure. The blood was all drained out, and and their organs, many of their organs were cored out, and that's why because they they were used for for nutrition for these aliens. In exchange for what? Technology. We've been sold for for technology. Our military has has technology that you wouldn't even believe. They're thousands of years ahead of us. Since they're not they're not forty years ahead of us like some people think. In some cases, they are thousands of years ahead of us. Do you really think, that, Derek, that they are actually engaging in a contractual agreement with the lesser advanced civilization? It's like if we go to, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to say that an anthill is less developed than we are because I've observed them and they seem pretty civilized in a way, right? But if we had to. Do I go and engage in a contractual agreement with cattle, for example? Well, that's what happened because um, it made it easier for them. It made it easier for both sides, really. What, what, what the agreement is, as I was told by the colonel, the agreement basically says that they've agreed not to interfere in our politics. They've agreed to provide us with occasional advances in technology. And we have agreed on our part to not disclose their presence, to not shoot at their craft, when they, to let them basically overfly our country anytime they want to, and to abduct a certain amount of our citizens freely without repercussions. The Greys have broken those treaties. Both, both, as I understand it, both sides were intending to break them even as they were signed. The Greys have, have abducted hundreds of times more people than they were agreed to by the by the treaty and we intended to use the technology they gave us to try to build a weapon to beat them with so it was it was just one of those it was an agreement that that it worked out for both sides really we agree we also agreed to construct at our expense a network of underground bases for them to to operate and and reside in The aliens already had some underground bases here, but we have constructed a lot more of them at our expense. And they've given us technologies along the way, which, uh, well, a lot of them have never been released. Almost, almost none of them have been released to the public, really. But some of them include, um, they've given us, I'm told, the cure to virtually every disease that we're aware of, including cancer. And they've given us military technologies. They gave us lasers. They gave us, um, they've given us time travel technology, which was the most difficult thing for me to come to grips with. 
if I hadn't seen it myself, I, I might not have believed that. Let's stay there for a second, because this is one topic that a lot of researchers, they don't even want to go there. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't either. <laughs> no, 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 no. Here's what I'm telling you this, because when I started this program, a lot of people told me about this and I totally denied it, denied it, denied it until I get some exposure to something that I cannot even disclose yet. So whenever somebody comes to, him to talk about this technology, I want to really listen. Tell me what you know about time travel technology. And is it alien or is it human? Well, I don't know where it came from. I know that the aliens and the humans both have this ability. I'm, I've heard that that our time travel technology came from something that was developed by Tesla. I don't know if that's true or if, it's this, if this was a technology that was uh, exchanged with us. I, I don't have any, any way of knowing. But I can tell you that um, the aliens and our Black Ops military both have this ability. They can go forward or backward in time, either one. And... The military does not seem to, it doesn't seem to be a problem to them. They seem to do this as easily as we put a TV dinner in a microwave oven. It's not a problem. Um, they've used it on me at least three times that I know of. And every time they did it, it was for a reason that I would have never uh, come up with on my own to use time travel for. You know, we think of it as something like a one-shot deal when we think of time travel. You know, we're going to go back and see the dinosaurs or see Abe Lincoln, right? That's not how they see it at all. To them, it's something that we can do anytime we want to. And so... Almost like tourism. Yes. And so, for instance, uh, I only have one memory of actually being returned to my bedroom after an abduction by the Greys. But that particular time, I was returned a few seconds before I had ever been taken. And they hovered my body. These two Greys hovered my body over my bed. I could see my future self laying in bed. It was like a little bit out of time phase with, with my, with, with me at the time. And they lowered me right down into my body on the bed in the same position. There was no feeling of contact. It's supposedly as physically impossible for two objects to occupy the same space at the same time. But this is what happened. They lowered me right down into my body. A few seconds ticked by and it was like we caught up with each other and I, I woke up like I'd been dreaming. I looked around the room. There was nobody in the room. They were gone. But no time had passed on the clock because I made a note of because before they come and get you, they make you they put you to sleep, you know, and they can put you to sleep whenever they want to. And I after a while, I got I got so that I could tell that that's what was happening. You you'd just be going along normally, and all of a sudden you were so tired that you couldn't possibly stay awake for another five minutes, and you would be asleep within within a minute or two. And so I, I made a habit of checking the clock when that happened. And it was like they always showed up on a, a timer. It was like they always showed up at, at 1.58 a.m., <laughs> just like they were on a timer. So uh, they returned me back to my, to my apartment that I was living in at the time. No time had passed on the clock. Anyone that was sleeping beside me, they would have put, been put to sleep too. As far as they were concerned, I would have never been taken at all and never gone anywhere because I was never missing. You see what I'm saying? Well, how many hundreds, if not thousands of people talk about missing time? Then right. you would have to ascribe this to this situation. But when it comes to... Well, there was no missing time. I mean, they, they, there, was, there was no time elapsed. 
Well, that's that's what I mean. When they brought me back, it was still one fifty eight on the clock. Right. Well, what I, I have really memories mean of being on the ship for several hours. That's what I really mean is that you feel like you. Some people say they've been gone for a month and they come back and no time has passed. So right. my question is, when time travel occurs, do you think that we are they're actually taking you to a parallel world? Uh, right now, for example, we might be experiencing the Gettysburg Address in a parallel world. Are they taking us to a parallel world, or is it our own time in the past or in the future? I think they are taking us. I think they are sticking to our own timeline. I wouldn't say that those parallel worlds don't exist, but it seems to me that they are uh, operating within our own timeline. Yes, I didn't see any evidence of being taken to a parallel world. It seemed to me that they were. They were simply moving me forward and backward in our own time as, as they felt was necessary. If time travel becomes a reality in the future, then with that definition, can we say that there are tra time travelers here right now? And look at the there are, yes. Foo Fighters during World War II. If you and I were given the choice, hey, guys, you want to go on a little tour, Wouldn't you want to be going and seeing what's happening in World War II, what's happening in other parts of the world in different times, and you do not, one of the rules, I've been told, you do not engage with anybody, but could it be that the Foo Fighters were actually future tourists? Oh, I don't think that that's the case, because uh, as I understand it, there are two, two different methods of time travel, one, of, one in which you cannot interact with the environment or the citizens that you see at all. It's like you're invisible to them, and, but you can watch, if you see what I'm saying. And the like other a, like one, a coronavirus? You, you can interact. Like a coronavirus, or are you actually there invisible? You're there, but, but you can't, they can't see you. Okay. You can see, and that's, that's one thing that uh, Andrew Basiago was right. speaking about, about that, being president of the Gettysburg Address. Well, His story is one of the most bizarre and difficult to believe, probably in all of UFO literature, I would say. But as it turns out, um, the guy who was his supervising officer on Mars was like a brother to me, and Andrew is actually speaking the truth. Huh. Well, Andrew is a friend, and I don't, he speaks so eloquently, and I've we've interacted so many hours. And this is one of the things that I scratch my head Because when you hear his stories, they sound so implausible, right? Yes, yes. But absolutely. he tells them with so much conviction, and I don't detect any 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 lies coming from him at all. He has nothing to gain by lying, correct? And everything to lose by even coming forward. Exactly. Really. Um, William White Crow was his a very dear friend of mine. Was his superior officer on Mars for 20 years? They were they were stationed there for 20 years, and. Uh, They were security, security team. And uh, he acknowledged everything that Basiago said. So th their memories were erased too, but sometimes a traumatic event or getting an MRI can snap your memory back into place. And within a couple of days, you'll remember everything that's happened to you. Also, how do we know that what people are witnessing, and I've, I've seen some of them, I've never seen an alien. I look forward to one day meeting one. Oh, But no, no, don't, don't do that. No, I can really? introduce you to one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, where do you stand? Because a lot of people, you get the Dr. Stephen Greer's of the world who says that they're all benevolent. Then you uh, get uh, Right. You get my, my friend uh, uh, Daryl Sims who says that they're all malevolent. But I believe that there's good and bad in all over the place. Where do you stand? They're, yeah, they're both, they're both wrong. Daryl's my friend also. I've known Daryl for 20-some years. Uh, no, that's, neither one of those things is right. This is a 
very big galaxy we live in, sir. Very big. And there are numerous civilizations which are far, far older than humanity throughout this galaxy. Everything that you can imagine can be found out there somewhere. You can find friends. You can find enemies. You can find conquerors. You can find slave traders. You can find anything you want out there in this galaxy because that's how big it is and that's how many civilizations there are. And we have some aliens who come here who are completely disinterested in us. They come here only for research. They don't even interact with people. You know, they might gather some samples, observe, and then leave. Some of them are incompatible with with uh, our atmosphere or our oceans, and so they're not interested in this planet at all. Some others are innately and inherently hostile to us, and they they pose a huge threat to us, and they seem to be in control of this region of space. There are others who are friendly to us, and they are as human as we are. We are we did not evolve from apes naturally as we are told that's that's just not true and it's uh well i talk about that in my second book if you've read my second book you'll understand but even by the the parameters of the theory of evolution it's impossible that this could have happened in such a short time that we evolved from apes into what we have today it's not even possible much less true there are there are humans just as human as us with slightly different adaptations for their environment on many different worlds. And uh, I, I have someone who, uh, who's a, a good friend of mine who is, was born on Tau Ceti. And I'm not an easy person to convince that someone is born on Tau Ceti. I meet people all the time that claim to be Pleiadian ambassadors or something, and it's, it's bullshit. Well, what kind of proof? Believe, what kind of proof do we have, uh, Derek, to know that what they're saying is true? And, and again, I'm not discounting any of the testimonials that were given to me by all the guests I've interviewed. But people ask me, do you believe this and that? I don't believe. I either know or I don't. It's interesting what they tell me, but what is the proof? Well, you, I suppose you don't have any solid proof of that. I don't know how you could. But uh, nobody's ever debunked this guy. He's, he's a, he was brought here as a, as a baby and given, turned over to the army, who was told to find him some adoptive parents and to leave him alone. He was basically given as, to this world as a gift. He's a like Clark psychic Kent? healer. Like Clark huh? Kent? Almost like Clark Kent? Yeah, sort of. He, but he's not, he's not like Superman. No, but he's, yeah, but... he's, he's a genius. He has the ability to psychically heal people. And most psychic healers are, of course, as you know, fraudulent. Yeah. But, uh, for instance, this guy put his hands on me, closed his eyes, told me all the levels of my enzymes and hormones in my body to the, to the exact number. And I had him checked out with my doctor later and he was exactly right about all of them. He cured me of my congestive heart failure, my sleep apnea, my snoring and smoking cigarettes within 10 minutes just by putting his hands on me and concentrating. I, I've never seen anything like it in my life. Um, he's, he looks just like we do, but he's six foot 10. Wow. But, but again, he, you, you see, you had your own story. Nobody has to tell you that you believe because you experience his attributes and, and his, his, what can we say, the God-given uh, right to do what he did and was placed here for that reason. And I've yes, had some, yes. some experiences with people like that, and I cannot discount what they're telling me because what they're doing is almost incredible. Well, his story is, is always the same, no matter who he's talking to or when he tells it. The details never change. And... There's no reason for him to lie about it. He, he gains nothing from it, you see. It's, some people fake UFO stories, but 
not very many I've found because there's really a lot to lose by by claiming that you know an alien or that you've seen a UFO. You can lose everything, man. You can lose your job. You can lose your credibility. You can lose your your spouse. You can lose your friends, but you gain nothing. You don't make any money by claiming to see a UFO. You know, you you have nothing to gain. And so, people that fake it, they're they're definitely the exception and not the rule. And I and I, I meet people all the time that claim to be, you know, Pleiadian ambassadors. These these starseed people and stuff. I don't know. Maybe they are, but I don't. I've never been convinced. And and the the simplest answer is that they're just full of themselves. I'm and open so I minded. Don't, I don't believe it. I'm open minded. I'm not going to tell them that they're full of themselves. But at the same time, extraordinary well, they, claims. They don't have, a, they don't have a, a deputy ambassador badge from the Pleiadians. I'm not buying it. You know. I mean, they're just like anyone else, except that they they think that they're more special than we are. And as soon as you as soon as you start thinking you're one of the special ones, yeah. you are gone. Because that, that's that's where you fall off the trail. Um, if there's good and bad everywhere, I just think of us as humans. If we needed a resource in Mars or somewhere else for survival, we wouldn't think twice. I mean, look at how we do it on, on this right. planet. We wouldn't think twice about getting, taking it. What right. If there are billions of, of galaxies and perhaps billions of planets habitable with more advanced, less advanced civilizations... Why haven't they come here and taken this? They have taken it. There's nothing that we have that they can't take freely. I mean, whatever we agreed to give them as a result of this treaty, they could have taken it on their own anyway. But this way, we didn't tell that they were here, and we didn't. We stopped shooting at their craft. We we discovered that we could we could beam a powerful military radar at some of their ships and. Yeah. It would uh, confuse their guidance systems and cause their ships to crash. Yeah, but that's one. That's one type of alien. Right. Do we? Can well, we, we do the same thing with everybody? I don't. I would doubt it. But we didn't right. sign. We didn't sign agreements with all types of aliens. What happened at Roswell? I've been told that we. It was um, what's his name? Uh, the the first Secretary of Defense Forrestal, Forrestal, and that when he found out what happened. Uh, to some of the people at, uh, before Roswell, apparently some people got shot. And he said, we need now, to Roswell get— Roswell was like the third crash we were aware exactly, of. Exactly, exactly. And as I understand it, we that was a uh, craft that we actually—it didn't crash. We brought it down with radar, but we didn't know where it hit. And just some farmer found it out in his field. But do you think there was retaliation for what happened to Admiral Byrd's fleet? No. I, we don't, we don't, I don't, I, I mean, especially back in those days, we didn't have the ability to retaliate. No, we I couldn't. Mean, I mean, we, you, you, don't, you, you don't, you don't, you don't intentionally start a war with someone who could come across the galaxy to get to your place when the farthest thing you can do is go 80,000 feet high in an airplane. You know, you don't start a war with someone that can travel through time and come to your place and, and outrun all your fighters with their scout craft. That's, that's suicide. Still there? I'm still here. Battle of L.A. What do you think happened there? It was at 1941 or 42. Battle of L.A. Uh, I think it was 42. That was. I think it was just as re- reported. The only thing I've heard is that there was there was more uh, munitions fired at them than was reported. But that was certainly an alien craft. Yeah. February and, 25th, 1942. I mean, uh, just a. a it, was, few... it was absolutely impervious to anything we had sh- to shoot at it. 
Well, just imagine how on edge our military would have been if this was after Pearl Harbor, just shortly after Pearl Harbor, and then we get right. this. Right. Yeah, it's this. Uh, I can't imagine. I mean, our, our military had to be on the verge of panic during the mid forties. They they just had to be because here we had we had we ended up winning World War II, having the the most the most powerful military force ever assembled in the history of th- this planet. And it was absolutely outclassed in every possible way by the alien craft that we were encountering. And I, I think that I've, I've heard it said that the Griotta Treaty, which was the first treaty that we signed with, with hostile aliens, we, we chose the wrong side. We had a chance to sign a treaty with friendly aliens, but they wouldn't give us military tech. And they wanted us to eliminate our nuclear weapons as a condition and we wouldn't do it. So we signed a, a treaty with hostile aliens that was basically it was basically a document laying out the terms of our surrender. And we are still bound by that today. They we, we can't stop them from doing anything they want. And we didn't even realize how powerful they were at the time. Uh, you know, I mean Yeah, look it's the same thing with July twelfth through the twenty ninth of nineteen fifty two, the DC UFO incident. Again, right. how in your face can they be to fly right. above the most powerful military force on this planet and do it unimpeded? That tells me, correct me if I'm wrong, Derek, but I suspect that if this is all true, that the reason that why governments of the world, especially the United States, does not disclose is because they would have to admit that they have absolutely no way to defend us from them. That's right. That's what, that's, there are many reasons. I mean, I could name you three dozen reasons at least, and any one of those reasons would be enough to stop them from disclosing all on its own. And they've also agreed with the aliens not to disclose their presence here, and they are stuck with that agreement, even though it's an illegal treaty, because Congress wasn't informed about it, right? The president signed it, and the few military advisors were in on it, but Congress wasn't told about this. So, so yes, the first thing that they'd have to say if they – that's why that's why full public disclosure. People are waiting for that to happen any minute. It's not going to happen, people. Uh, it's not going to happen in your lifetime or mine. It's not going to happen until there's absolutely no choice left. The entire the entire national debt of this country is the result of our black budget. These alien related projects are the most expensive thing the human race has ever undertaken by far, and the wealth of this country has been drained away to pay for it silently and secretly. The first thing that they would have to admit if they came out with full disclosure is that we do not control our own airspace after spending $20 trillion on a military. We don't control our airspace, and we never have. We can't stop them from taking you. We're sorry. And by the way, we do it too. Yeah, we're sorry about that too. No, no. Can you imagine any president getting on TV and saying that? I can't. No, absolutely not. But the words you just said are probably the most important words so far you said. The black budget, and if we, if you want to talk about the CIA and the importation of drugs and the organ trafficking and sexual trafficking and the rest of them, multi-billion dollar industry, do you think all of this supports this alien agenda? Absolutely. Absolutely. The, uh, I don't know. I, I, I suppose it's a lecture you heard of mine from Contact was the one about the underground bases, was it? Yes, well, the cost of that is estimated to be $12 trillion yeah. plus, and, and 
they're still being constructed all the time. That's just the underground bases, man. That's that's three quarters of our national debt right there, twelve trillion dollars. That's just the underground bases. That has nothing to do with with our advanced space program. We NASA NASA does not run our space program, and they never have. NASA is a PR device and a convenient place to funnel large amounts of money, which never are seen again. The secret space program has has interstellar ships. They have they have interplanetary ability. Are you, are you familiar with the TR3B? Yes, Aurora. The, TR, the TR3B is it's not just an, an earthbound ship. It's interplanetary, and I've, I'm told that it is also interstellar. It makes use of several different types of alien technology in its design, including the propulsion system, including a cloaking device, and including time travel. Let's dissect this. Let's stay this for here for a moment, because it's very interesting that all of a sudden we get President Trump Signing into law, Space Force. Right. That Space Force has already been in existence for about 30 years. That was my question. Is that the secret space program? Well, it's part of it. But but the secret space program also consists of breakaway civilizations. And the breakaway civilizations are who is running the bases on Mars and the moon. We're not running them, you know. And the, the breakaway civilizations, they don't contribute anything to us they see earth as as their slave planet and we give them trillions of dollars of commodities and supplies loaded onto their ships at night they they land their ships out of diego garcia some little small island nobody can see them they load they load anything that they can get on those ships they take them up they use them they sell them on the on the galactic market including slaves and and they don't give us anything in return they don't pay for them they just take them do you think that a lot of these missing, do you know the work of David uh, David Politis, Missing yeah. 411? Do you yeah. think that a lot of these people, even children that are lost every year, thousands of people get yeah. lost every year. Where do you think these people are going? Well, some of them are being probably sold as slaves. Some of them are being consumed. The Draco reptilians consume humans. That's another thing that that's the, the, the overriding most important reason that disclosure is never going to happen voluntarily is that they don't want to tell you that they've signed a treaty with a group of hostile aliens which consumes humans and they especially like little babies and children because their bodies aren't yet polluted by nicotine and all the things that we put into our bodies to pollute them. They, they, they take these little babies and children and they never, they're never seen again. You you abduct someone from India that's one of the the untouchable class people, let's say. No one's going to care. No one's going to notice. The cops aren't going to go out searching for them because there's a billion people in India and the untouchables don't matter. You see what I'm saying? And, and they're taken from all over the world and they they torture them. They they scare them to the, to the maximum degree possible to get their bodies flushed with adrenaline. And they they do it with very cruel methods that I won't go into here. No, you can then, you can because we discuss it all the time. Don't fear. You're talking well, about adren- adrenochrome. Sometimes they, they cut off the top of, they cut off the top half of their skull and show it to them. Yes, adrenochrome. Their their bodies are flushed with adrenaline, and they then they kill them and they consume them right there. You know, for people who say you guys are conspiracy theorists, you have no idea no idea what you're talking about, folks. You know the name Marie. Or uh, Abramoff, 
Oh, but, but what is the name? The spirit cooking. What is her name? Spirit cooking. I can't remember. But I tell you, I'm I'm not interested in conspiracy theory at all. I'll tell you that straight out. I have no interest in conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theory can only exist when there is no evidence to back it up. Exactly. I'm interested in conspiracies in progress. Right. And that's what we're dealing with here. Here's our conspiracy in progress, folks. I want you to Google this name that many of you probably have never heard in your life. Somerset Belenoff. Just Google that name. She's related to royalty, and she basically is somebody that comes directly from royal blood. Her, her daughter, Karina Belenoff, has a restaurant in Los Angeles where cannibalism occurs. Think yes, Hunger yes. Games. Think Hunger this, Games. Are you, this, is, you, uh, this is something, I'm sure you're, already, you're also aware that, that the people who hold the true power in this world, who work from the shadows, are... Luciferians. Yes. And they practice human cannibalism regularly. It's part of what they do. They do it in places that you can never find out about, out on private islands and stuff, just like Jeffrey yep. Epstein's right. private island. Yes. Stuff like that happens out there. Those The people that get invited there, if you want, if you want to be the head of the CIA, if you want to be the president, you're going to be Luciferian or you'll never get the chance to. Now, Trump's an exception to that because he could afford to, to run his campaign without any help, Right. But, but the, the rest of these, they are Luciferians to the core. If you run President Obama's original campaign slogan, yes, we can, if you run it in reverse, it becomes thank you, Satan. Yeah. And it's, it's not a joke. It's not a conspiracy theory. This is how it is. They, they have three advantages over us. One is their Luciferian religion. Black magic works just as advertised. You think it doesn't, you are very mistaken. They have, they have that. They have access to unlimited amounts of money, and they have access to generational political connections. That gives them all the power that they could ever want. Well, this name, Somerset Belenoff, she's the Countess of Banbury and Iran, and she chairs the World Governing Council. Basically, if you want <laughs> if you want to know, apparently she's on top of the food chain. And there's this cannibal restaurant owned by her, run by her daughter. And imagine Hunger Games. Imagine Gladiator. Where people, young people in their 20s and 30s fit, they go there and they participate. And whoever loses, guess what? It's on the plate that night, prepared for the elite and for the Hollywood celebrities. Have you heard that? Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, I've got a friend named Tony Rodriguez who was was uh, held as a slave for 20 years by the special the special, the secret space program. But he started out here on Earth for, for a number of years until... I think maybe five or six years, and he was held on a billionaire's private island, and he was he witnessed cannibalism of children, and he was forced to either take part in it or be the next one roasted. What does this have to do with the extraterrestrial presence, Derek? Well, it's hard to know, but it's it's a very complicated subject, isn't it? It's it's interesting that the. Uh, Alpha Draconians look just like our idea of Satan, isn't it? They've got they've got the horns, they've got the wings, they've got the tails. They they look just like the devil on a, on a can of, of deviled ham, don't they? So it's it's a very complex thing, and I I can't give you all the answers to that. I'd like to know myself, but but it they certainly. Um, they certainly can manipulate energy. They can manipulate reality, and and they can 
as all of us are able to do, we can create the future with our thoughts. People don't really realize that. We're never, we're never told that. They don't want us to understand that, that thoughts become things. What you think about the most will manifest itself yes. in the future. It starts, everything starts out as a thought, energy, a thought in the astral plane. It starts out as an astral energy form. If you think that you want a red Mustang, first thing you do is you get it in your mind and it becomes an astral form. And the more you concentrate on it, the more you work towards getting it, the, the harder it tries to manifest itself into reality. And if you do it sufficiently, you'll be driving down the street one day, all of a sudden there's that red Mustang you want and it's for sale, just the price you can afford. You don't know <laughs> when it will happen, but it will happen. And these people are experts at that. And while we don't know that we have the ability to do it, they do, and they are creating our future. So true what you say. This is why lately I've been talking about gratitude all the time, that when you wake up in the morning, when you go out, when you just go to sleep at night, just go to sleep with a, a sense of gratitude. Same thing in the morning. And your day is going to change. I promise you that. I do it all the time now. Even if I'm having a bad day, I'm not immune to that, folks. I just think gratitude because it's either a lesson you have to just learn from it. So The universe will bring you what you want. Exactly. It will bring you what it thinks you want. That's a key difference. If you think about worried about being pulled over by the cops all the time, you're going to get pulled <laughs> over by the cops because the universe will bring that to you. Yeah. It will manifest it in your reality, and you will get pulled over eventually by the cops for that. And that's, that's how it is. It, it, it reacts to energy. Everything is energy in the end, isn't it? When it comes to the elite, and you discuss this all the time too, people talk about the Rothschilds, the, the, the Rockefellers, you know, all these elites. Who's really behind them? Are they the managers on this world, and there's somebody else who's the puppeteer? Or are they the puppeteers? They are the puppeteers, but the aliens are controlling them. They have access to this alien technology. They have access to high-level information about them that we'll never get to hear. You know, you don't hear the same thing that Baron Rothschild hears, that's for sure. And if you think about it, um, technology such as, let's say, cloning, that's an alien technology that we were given, okay? We've been able to clone humans for many decades. You, you remember how they cloned Dolly the sheep, was it? Sure. And then you never heard another word about cloning. That was, that was, it, never, it never appeared on the news again. Because the, next, the, only di the only difference between cloning a sheep and cloning a human is the size of the tank you use. Right. So, so the next step is cloning a human, and they don't want us to, to know. know or to investigate or to think that that's a possibility that we can do because they have a monopoly on that right now, and they've been cloning humans for a very long time. And if you have access to alien medical technology, which can extend the human lifespan to three or four hundred years, I'm told, and when, when your body finally wears out, if you have access to a clone which is waiting for you, They can take your personality, your soul, and I've had this done to me or I wouldn't have believed it. They did it during an abduction. They can literally remove your soul from your body and put it in a container to store it if they want to. And then they can inject it into a cloned body. It's, it's, it's a, it's called, they're called synthetic beings. They're, they're different from clones in the sense that clones have to be raised up from, from a newborn. But a synthetic being will begin, it will come out of the vat the exact same age that you were when they took this, the cell sample from you. So you can have your personality injected back into a 25-year-old, perfectly healthy, synthetic copy of yourself. You have the recipe for eternal life, and they will definitely kill to protect that because they don't want us to have it, 
And if they don't have it, they're going to die like we are in a few years. And that's, that's not what, what they want to allow. You see, some people might say, but look at David Rockefeller. He had multiple heart transplants. At the uh, He died at the age of 106, I think it was. Or, or, yeah, you notice he didn't die at the age of 65 like no, the rest of us? No, or look at you Cheney. Notice the, you notice how the queen is 98 and she's still going strong? Yeah. They, they don't die when we die. And when they when they do die, they can go underground to these underground these underground cities and facilities. They have cloning centers under there, and they will simply be put into another body and given another identity. And they this don't is the have part, to die. This is the part that I'm still trying to understand. You're talking about a soul being transferred. But let's say that I wanted to clone you today, and I had the ability to do so. If I clone you to somebody else, I'll be copying almost like exact replica of you. But you, the one who is dying or died, is not the same person. It's, this is a new facsimile of you. How they don't they don't appear to have any personality when when they when it's, as far as a synthetic being goes. Right. As best as I can tell, they don't seem to have a personality inherent to them. It it, it seems like it has to be injected into them. And the reason I say that is because um, on one of my abduction events. I saw probably a half dozen copies of myself lined up heel to toe in this room off to the side, and their heads were bowed, they were motionless, they were like androids that had never been switched on before. And I, I assume that they inject personalities into those bodies. And that's the if, question. If How you have the if you have the the proper technology, the soul the soul, as it turns out, is like everything else in this universe, energy. It is this unique um complex energy signature okay that's unique to each person but if you have the sufficient technology and the aliens do you can copy that energy signature you can remove it you can store it you can alter it you can inject it into a into a new body you can do anything you want to with it and they do have that technology see but the question is if i'm able to clone you and I'm, you're able to upload your consciousness into a computer and keep it there in, can we call it stasis for sake of argument? Yeah. And then when the clone is ready, then we transfer the consciousness into the new person. That will be two of you, but it would not be you. It doesn't have to be me. It's my personality. Right. And, and, and it's, it's in my personality in a 25-year-old body of me. But you died. The original you died. How do you right. feel? But my, but, my, but my personality, my soul matrix, everything that I've remembered, my feelings, my thoughts, my, my skills, everything can be transferred into a new body. Or they can transfer the personality of an alien into that body. Mm. They, could, they could kidnap you. They could, they could kidnap the president. There's no, it's no more difficult for them to kidnap the president to abduct him than it is to abduct me because they have technology that lets them get away with it unseen and untouched. They could take the president. They could inject an alien's personality into the president's body, and you would never know the difference, would you? You're describing a Maturian candidate there, right? Yes. And how would you know the difference? Some people how say you, that. How do, you, how do you know that our generals aren't aliens? Absolutely. You don't know. Absolutely. The same thing that some people say that Hillary Clinton, this is what we see now as a clone. Do you believe that? Well, she's she's a disaster, I can tell you that. I mean, I, <laughs> About I, don't, know if she's, I don't know if she's a clone. I don't think she's an alien because the aliens would be embarrassed to have someone like her as their representative, <laughs> I think. But, but certainly uh, there's, I mean, if you look at, if you look at 
Prince Philip, man, I don't know what you think an iguana looks like, <laughs> but when I look at Prince Philip, I see an iguana on the hoof, man. Before you said, I don't know what you think he looks like. In my mind, I was thinking iguana. Exactly. I mean, he and, and they say that the royal family are are reptilian to be reptilian hybrids. Yes, and so there's no question that. I mean, there, an alien invasion is not going to happen. It's already happened. They're here. They're, they already control everything important in this world is controlled by aliens. We just don't know it. Before we go into break, let me just ask you one more geopolitical question. And by the way, I was trying to watch my words during segment one because this censorship on YouTube, because we upload the first segment into YouTube always. Oh. And in the past few weeks... I've had to de delay airing shows because I upload them, right? All of a sudden, immediately they get flagged. It says this video is under review. And usually yeah. it would take hours, then de a day. Now it's taking weeks. So huh. apparently they've been delegated to somebody who has to listen because AI apparently is not catching every word. So they have somebody listening to every single show. And sometimes... Oh, yeah. they They hire many people that do nothing but YouTube and Facebook. They'll try to get on your friends list. If you're a, if you're a person of interest like I am, they'll try to get on my friends list and find out what I'm saying. They'll yeah. record it. They'll turn it into their boss. They'll monitor everything I say or do, monitor my phones, monitor my chats, monitor the Skype, monitor everything. That's, but imagine – They hire people just for that purpose. Oh, yeah. They have call centers with thousands of people. But imagine yeah. if you are one of those youths. And you go there with the best intention because you think, oh, you want to be able to, to prevent all these conspiracies to get out there. But they start, the word that they're using is woke, woke these days. How many of these people actually listen to us and say, wow, they wanted me to censor this, but this is all true or this no, is important. They do it anyway because they pay them well. Yes. That's what it is. They pay them well. And, and you know, you get hired by the NSA, you don't fuck with them, man. <laughs> you f*** with the NSA, they'll f*** back and they'll kill you. So, so I mean, excuse my language, but but these are these are very dangerous, very serious people, and you don't mess with them because if you do, they have the power to take you out, and you don't have the power to stop them. If they decide to, if they decide that you are too much of a problem, you have an expected lifespan of less than 72 hours. Period. No matter who you are in the world. I was timestamping those words. And with our members, they understand that sometimes profanity is allowed. But when it goes to YouTube, I don't want them to say, oh, right. no, Sorry. <laughs> we kick you out because of profanity. Sorry, I apologize. No, no problem. When we come back, I want to discuss, I want to really get deeper, pardon the pun, when it comes to deep underground military bases. We've had people like Dr. Richard Souter, who's disappeared. He doesn't want to come back. Apparently, after our two interviews, he was beat up, he almost died, and he had to move to Ecuador. Uh, a lot of information that I want to discuss there, the $12 trillion. Also, I want to discuss, the, in the event of crisis, what would happen to the surface world if they had to go underneath, just to say COGS, continuation of government, and a lot more. You have two great books. What other titles again, and how can people buy them? The first one is called Alien Contact, The Difficult Truth. The second one is called Alien Contact, Paradigm Shift. They are both available on Amazon, and uh, they are both completely factual. I don't, I don't waste anyone's time by, by guessing or by inventing 
fiction. I don't have time for that, and I don't want to insult my readers by making them put up with it. So I think that you're going to get more straight-ahead information in those books than you'll just about find in anything else in the, in the literature. When we come back also, I want to ask you this. Don't answer right now. But do you remember years ago when DHS, Department of Homeland Security, purchased billions of hollow point bullets? Do you know what the reason for such a massive purchase was? I will get into that when we come back. Folks, okay. don't go anywhere. I'm here with Derek Tyler, my special guest today on Veritas. See you in the member section. Thank you for listening to the first part of this important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest and all of our material, proceed to the member section or join the Veritas family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focus Life Force Energy, MMS, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Divinia Water, Pure Organic Sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. Now, proceed to the members section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to Veritas. Because you don't want to believe. You want to know. Nothing feels the same All your dreams
strength.